Section eight of My Strange Rescue. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. My Strange Rescue by James MacDonald Oxley. Section eight. Blue Nose Fisher Folk scattered up and down the rocky foam-fringed shore of nova scotia sometimes standing out bravely upon a promontory that projects into the very midst of the breakers sometimes nestling away cosily in the curve of a quiet bay the white cottages of the hardy fisher-folk give touches of warmth and life to a scene that would otherwise be one of unredeemed desolation they are not very imposing edifices and viewed from the respectful distance which the dangers of that inhospitable coast compel the passing ship to keep they seem still smaller than is really the case but they are all homes and in their two or three cramped rooms boys and girls have been born and bred the young people made love and mated and the old people closed their eyes in the last long sleep as generation has succeeded generation so it is no wonder that the lads who thence go forth into distant parts of the world as many of them do find their hearts turning longingly back to the little cottage by the sea and that they often return to spend their last years in the old place voyaging along the coast some lovely summer afternoon and from your comfortable chair on the steamer's deck watching these pretty cottages with their black roofs and white sides coming into view as point after point is opened out and noting how trim and secure they seem and the glorious prospect they command from the windows which look out from either side the central door like sleepless eyes it is easy to imagine that the fishermen's sons must have a fine free healthy life of it and be far better off than the boys in the dusty noisy overcrowded cities well no doubt they are better off in some respects they have plenty of fresh air and sunshine and room to grow in while nothing could be more wholesome than their food of fish and potatoes but their life is a hard one nevertheless and i doubt if many city-bred lads would be eager to exchange with them could they first have a year's experience of it if the mackerel herring cod and haddock upon which the fisher-folk depend for their living were more regular in their habits and turned up at the same place at the same time every year so that the men with the nets and hooks could count upon their harvests as the men with the size and hose can upon theirs the fisherman's lot would be a fairly comfortable one but there is nothing in this world more uncertain than fish not the slightest reliance can be placed upon them they are here to-day and off somewhere else to-morrow one season school after school of mackerel will pour into the little bay where norman hayes and john mackesy and george brown have their fishing berths as the area assigned to each man is called and fill the sains of these lucky fellows to repletion again and again as fast as they can spread them then perhaps one two three seasons will pass without enough fish putting in an appearance to make one good haul the mackerel catching is the most interesting 
as it is the most profitable phase of the fisherman's toil and for both reasons the boys like it the best although from its being at the same time the most uncertain in its results they know very well it cannot be depended upon for a living the season for these beautiful and delicious fish begins about the end of june and so soon as it is time for them to appear the highest points along the coast are taken possession of by men and boys who stay there all day long watching intently the surface of the sea below them for the first sign of the silver scales which when caught can be turned into silver coins it is often long and weary work this watching day succeeds day without bringing anything but through scorching sun or soaking rain fine weather or foggy weather the lookouts patiently persevere at last some bright morning when the sea seems still asleep jack hayes's keen young eyes descry a curious ripple on the water far beneath his eyrie his heart gives a throb and his pulses beat like trip hammers but he is afraid at first to shout for fear it is only a morning zephyr shading his eyes with his hand and fairly quivering with excitement he gazes intently for one moment more and then shouting a school a school at the top of his strong young voice he goes bounding down the hillside like a loosened boulder till he reaches the cluster of cottages far below in an instant all is activity and bustle the men spring into the boats lying ready at the little wharves the boys tumble in pell-mell after them the wives and daughters fling their aprons over their heads to keep off the sun and run out to the end of the wharves or climb up on the flakes so that they may see as much as possible in a minute more the boats are heading for the mackerel as fast as brawny arms can drive them half a mile away the calm blue water is dark and disturbed for a space about the size of an ordinary tennis court it looks in fact as if it were boiling and bubbling just there though all around is still and smooth toward this spot the boats are hurried presently they reach it then they stop one of the smaller boats goes up to the long flat-bottomed high-stemmed craft that carries the seine and takes one end of the net on board everything is done quietly for the fish are easily frightened and if alarmed will sink right down into the deep water where they cannot be got at as quickly as sinewy arms can send her along the small boat describes a circle round the fish that continue to frisk about all unconscious of their peril at length a shout of joy announces that connection has been made the two ends of the seine are joined and if it be a person the bottom is drawn together also and then the tired excited fishermen can take a little rest and they try to guess how many barrels this stop of mackerel will make jack hayes and the rest of the boys can hardly contain themselves with delight for won't they all have a trip up to the city so soon as the fish are ready to be sold and these trips are the great events of their life having got the fish nicely caught inside the seine the next thing is to get them out again the big net with its precious load is drawn as near the shore as possible the boats crowd round it and a busy scene ensues as the blue-backed silver-bellied beauties are taken from the meshes 
and piled up in the boats until these little craft can hold no more in a little while all the fish are safely on shore and then comes the splitting and salting in which not only the boys but the girls and their mothers too take a hand for the more quickly it is done the better the dexterity shown by the workers is astonishing holding a sharp knife in their right hand they stand before a pile of glistening mackerel with one motion they seize a fine fat fellow with another they split him open from head to tail with a third they despoil him of his entire digestive apparatus with a fourth they put in its place a handful of salt with a fifth fling him upon a pile beside them and the whole operation is done in the twinkling of an eye to see the girls at this and none are more expert than they takes a good deal of romance out of one's ideas of fisher maidens but it cannot be helped they cannot afford to be romantic or look picturesque their life is too hard for that kind of amusement in the catching of mackerel and herring there is not much danger and the fishermen need not go far from home but it is different with the cod and haddock and hake to get these big fellows you must go out upon the banks as those strange shallow areas in the atlantic ocean are called and going out upon the banks means being away for long weeks at a time and exposed to many dangers storms are frequent there and the waves run mountain highs so that staunch and trim as the fishing craft are and thoroughly expert their masters hardly a season passes without the loss of a nancy bell or a cod seeker with all on board often alas do the women go weeping and wringing their hands for those who will never come back to the town another danger ever present ever indeed growing greater is that of being run down some foggy night by the great ocean steamers that are thronging past in increasing numbers picture to yourself a dense dark night when you can hardly see your hand before your face a little schooner tossing at anchor on the banks all but one of her crew asleep in their bunks suddenly there falls upon the solitary watcher's ear a sound that thrills him with terror it is the throbbing of mighty engines and the onward rush of an ocean greyhound as she spurns the foaming water from her bows springing upon the poop he shouts with all his might the crew below leap from their berths and though only half awake join him in the cry but it is of no avail the masthead light is seen by the steamer's lookout too late to change her course there is a splintering crash the iron monster feels a slight shock hardly enough to waken the lightest sleeper in her staterooms and the sharp prow cuts through the little schooner as though it were but another wave then the frenzied shrieks of strong men in their agony ring out upon the midnight air then all is silent again and the steamer speeds on to her destination while to another home in herring cove comes the dreadful experience of which the poet says quote, how much of manhood's wasted strength of woman's misery what breaking hearts might swell the cry their dear fish to me End quote yet it is the ambition of every boy at herring cove or shad bay to have a share in a banker or better still to own one all by himself 
and to this he looks forward just as city boys do to being bank presidents or judges or editors of newspapers hard work much danger a little schooling and still less playing is the summary of a fisher boy's life it makes him very healthy brown and strong but it never makes him rich the most he can do is to earn enough to build and furnish a cottage when he marries and provide plain food and coarse clothing for the family that soon springs up around him now and then that is whenever he has fish to sell he goes up to the city and this is his only holiday while still a boy he generally behaves himself well enough on these visits but growing older he does not always grow wiser i am sorry to say and i have often seen sad-faced wives rowing the heavy boat wearily home while the husbands lay on the stern sheets in a drunken stupor end of section eight